episode 50 of the Shock Shock Knicks podcast on the Posting and Toasting Podcast Network, the Big 50 shows in the books after this one. Uh, first and foremost, before we dive into what's going on on the show today, just a big, big thank you goes out to you guys for your support, not only during the COVID-19 pandemic, and you guys continuing to watch not only my, or excuse me, excuse me, listen to my podcast, but on top of that, um, listening to the podcast network in general, you guys are amazing. You guys are the best. Thank you so much for sticking with the network from the beginning, continuing to listen to the podcast, all the new listeners. Welcome. Thank you so much for joining this group of Knicks and NBA fans. You guys are awesome. I just wanted to start out with that. You guys are the best. To everyone that listens to the podcast, hits me up on Twitter, comments in the comments section on postingandtoasting.com. To everybody that sends along the positives, that sends along the critiques, that just sends along random negatives because they got nothing else to do. You guys make the show what it is. And obviously, we wouldn't be here without your attentiveness and your loyalty. Thank you guys so much. And here's to at least, hopefully at least, knock on wood, 50 more episodes of the Shock Shock Knicks podcast. Again, thank you guys and hope you're all doing well during this week. Two big topics we're hitting on this week's show. We'll get to the NBA stuff in the second half of the show this week and we'll dive into the playoff format some teams to look out for, and some of the variables that are going to be kind of, I don't know, just changing the way it's going to be played. And certainly a couple of things that I want to point out, including, I'm not going to make any predictions, that'll be something we'll do closer to tip off of the restart of the NBA season, but I do want to throw out a couple of factors that could affect some teams, and of course, just some teams to look out for in general, and how certain teams could deal with this in a positive way, and how some could deal with it in a negative way see how it works out but i want to dive into that later on in the show first and foremost we have to dive into the latest things going on with the knicks specifically with james dolan and specifically with the current situation in our country not just obviously with the situation with covid19 but of course the death of george floyd uh, and and the aftermath of what's happened throughout the last couple of weeks since his death in Minneapolis and the the movements we've seen the lack of movement that we've seen from some parties as well and the way it affects the Knicks most importantly for this show at least is the way that James Dolan has handled this publicly and we mentioned it a bit last show um it's it's frustrating. I mean, there's no other way to put it. It's beyond that, to really. I think, I think I'm being a little bit nice there, to be honest, when I say that. Um, it's appalling what James Dolan has, the way he's conducted himself, the way he's handled this publicly, the things that have been leaked out, the things that have been done since or lack thereof, and then this statement that comes out from Madison Square Garden, uh, I believe... This was just a couple of days ago, actually, from the time of recording. This was released on Tuesday. I'm reading it, the one specifically from the New York Rangers hockey team. 
account, this is the statement that James Dolan and the Madison Square Garden Company released regarding the situation of racism in the United States. He said, quote, Every one of us has a role to play in creating a more just and equal society where there is no racism, bigotry, violence, or hate. We stand with all who act for positive change. Um, not, not only is that a, a toothless heart, not, not heartless, but toothless, no, nothing behind it, empty statement from Madison Square Garden and James Dolan. There's, that's, that's first and foremost, the emptiness of that statement is clear as day. There's nothing behind that. There's absolutely, uh, the, the intent there is clear. The intent of this statement is clear as day. James Dolan and the Madison Square Garden Company didn't like the backlash that they were getting for not responding and for the email that was sent out why they weren't going to respond. So they responded, thinking that this would, you know, mull things over. They could say, well, you know what, we were going to respond and this is what we came up with. It's, a, it's an empty statement. For me, this is absolutely, there's nothing behind this. This is absolutely uh, toothless. There's nothing here for me. This is, the, the, the motive is clear. This is just to cover the rear end of the Madison Square Garden Company, to cover the rear end of James Dolan. I, I thought this was absolutely ridiculous. This made no sense. I, I, I get, listen, I get why they did it. I get why they did it. But it's just appalling because of the first statement that James Dolan sent out via email that was leaked from the MSG employees, basically saying that, quote, as companies in the business of sports and entertainment, however, we are not more qualified than anyone else to offer our opinion on social matters, end quote. Ridiculous. A ridiculous email to send out that ESPN reported went to MSG employees last week. There's a follow-up email, apparently, and this is from USA Today, saying from Dolan, quote, I know how important this topic is to many, and I don't want there to be any confusion about where I uh, am as an individual or we are as a company, or we as a company stand, I should say. So let me be clear. We vehemently condemn and reject racism against anyone, period. It is against every value that we hold dear. Why the hell was that statement not made public last week? Where was that last week? Why do, why only, why do only the MSG employees get to hear that? What about the fans of the Knicks and the Rangers? Why can't they hear that? Why isn't that public? Why do we have to find out through this reporting that's being done to find out what MSG employees are getting in these emails? It's... Oh. It's so seedy, it's backhanded, it, it is ridiculous. And and Spike Lee, you know, comes out this week and says, basically, you know, James Dolan doesn't make it easy to be a Knicks fan amid all this social unrest. I, I couldn't have put it any better than I couldn't have put it any better myself. You know, he goes on to first take, and again, I, I we know at least I do, at least. I hope some of you do as well, the ridiculousness of first take, what that's become over the last couple of years, but he comes on, he says, quote, this is Spike Lee talking, Mr. Dolan doesn't make it easy for me to be a Knicks fan, 
end quote. And he's, re he's reacting to the, the, the public statement that I just read to you, basically condemning sy systemic racism and police brutality. I, it... What makes it tough, again, is that the June 1st memo that Dolan sent before the team made a public statement was just awful. It is really just a lack of leadership. There's no question about that. Which makes this statement just even worse. And there's been a lot of reaction to this. Kendrick Perkins, who's now an ESPN personality, has come out and just absolutely condemned James Dolan and the Knicks. There's been others like Karan Butler, who was on Alex Kennedy's podcast, asked about uh, the Knicks and James Dolan, said, quote, this is not a business thing, this is a humane thing. And I think that he made a bad decision not speaking up. And it gets to seeing articles like this where, I believe this is on Business Insider, the Knicks' quote-unquote approval rating among NBA players is reportedly at rock bottom after releasing a late, bland statement about racism. That's from Business Insider. And the reputation of the franchise has taken a huge hit over these last couple of weeks. And if there's any more proof that you need that James Dolan's not the right man for this job, I mean, there's your proof. I mean, just the lack of leadership there is incredible. Cowardly. Absolutely cowardly. Why not come out with that statement, the third statement I read that was a follow-up email to MSG employees? Where was that last week? And to wait it out, to not, to kind of wait till the chips fall. And that's like, that's, that's the best case scenario for the, for James Dolan here. He was letting to see how every, you know, waiting to see how everybody else reacted. How am I going to react? I'll wait it out. But then he sends that email. He sends that email saying, we're not, you know, we can't really comment. It's not, you know, we're not qualified. You're a human being. Everyone that works in those MSG offices are human beings. I think they've got a right to say something about this. And I think James Dolan had every chance to come out and say that he was on the side of Black Lives Matter, the fight against police brutality and systemic racism. And he let it sit and said, we're not qualified to speak on this and stayed neutral, I guess, which is arguably, you know, just as bad. Because the people that don't do anything are also, you know, uh, they sh they have to be held accountable. And, and then the, the statement that he releases to the public is just, is... Uh, what did that take you, 10 minutes? It, it, ridiculous. And again, I, I think of the Knicks fans and the Rangers fans that were hoping that the owner of their organization was going to come out and get ahead of this. I'm one of those people. I think of the rest of you guys. I can't imagine. You, you must be feeling like me right now. Just utterly disappointed. And and, and again, we, we, we've lost faith in James Dolan for years now. But now as a person, it's confirmed. Confirmed. This is a guy that can't lead an organization. This is a guy that can't lead people. 
And, and this is a guy that's a coward in the public eye. He just doesn't care enough to stand on one side of this issue. But he'll let his employees know that he's against racism just so they know that everything's going to be okay. What about the fans? You know, what about the players? The players right now have got to be seething over this. The coaching staff. I mean, it's just appalling what James Dolan has done here, the way he's handled this situation. I mean, if he's any if he's in if he's in any other position of power in the Knicks organization, he's fired. He's gone. In any other position, Knicks fans would be calling for his for his job. But he's the owner. He's, he calls the shots. So, unless the league ever steps in, and I, I doubt that's ever going to happen, James Dolan stays. And, and that in itself is just awful. It's just terrible. And it's bad enough that the Knicks have been terrible for the better part of 20 years. This, These are the kind of moments that if you haven't been pushed over the top by what James Dolan's done with the team... This has got to really open up your eyes. I mean, this is as bad as it gets. It's as bad as it gets. And the rest of the NBA has got to be looking at the Knicks and thinking, what the hell is going on over there? What were they thinking? What was James Dolan thinking? And I, you know what? I feel for the players. I really do. How can you... I mean, you're playing for an organization with an owner that's hesitating on this on the... On the issue of social injustice, I mean, I can't imagine. I can't imagine what those players are feeling right now. And again, you know, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but we're talking at least two-thirds of the NBA, more than that. I just don't know the exact number in front of me are African-American players. they got to be looking at James Dolan and thinking, who the hell is this guy? What the hell is this guy doing? What was he thinking? He's, it's just, it's insulting to me, and I can't imagine it being, uh, I, it's insulting to me, I can't imagine what the players are feeling, what African Americans are feeling that love the Knicks, again, that are playing for the Knicks, the NBA players, oh, it's just, and, and then, again, Spike Lee said it perfectly as a fan, man, James Dolan makes it tough, he makes it so tough to pull for this team. It's incredible. And again, Spike Lee, you know, Spike Lee a lot of times speaks for the Nick fan as a whole. He really does. He's a voice for the Nick fan in many ways. There's been times where, you know, he's made, he stepped a little bit out of line. You know, I think, again, James Dolan played a big role in that whole which way to which, where to which way, I should say, do I enter the arena situation? Although Spike Lee was, again, a little too high and mighty, I think it is well. But this is, this is, God, it's apples and cucumbers compared to that. It's not, it's completely different. And Spike Lee summed it up perfectly. Summed it up perfectly. How do you keep rooting for a team with a guy like this at the helm? It, it's tough. I had, a, I had a few Nick fans over the last weekend text me about the first statement and are just, they're just absolutely crestfallen. 
one one person texted me two days ago and said I I thought about wearing a Nick hat outside today. I think they were going for a run and decided against it. I don't blame them. I don't blame them at all. I, I mean, you know, it's it makes you just like want to put the gear in the closet and just say, you know what, I got I got to take a break from this. I can't do it. James Dolan, time and time again, has made the Knicks look terrible, and this is as bad as it gets. It's as bad as it gets. You can't handle it much worse than what James Dolan did over the last week and a half. And now again, it's bad enough, right? It's bad enough that James Dolan is making it bad on the, you know, making the employees restless and upset and making the NBA players on his team restless and upset and now the rest of the NBA again takes another hard look at the Knicks and just says what in the world is this guy doing at the helm of that of that organization makes the Knicks look terrible makes the Knicks uh just look like bottom feeders in every sense of the word forget about on the court off the court as well just a bottom feeder of an organization and in New York for that to happen for it to get to this point unforgivable unforgivable again because it's bad enough that the Knicks are terrible year after year but for this to be coupled with it it doesn't get much worse than that the the reaction from the NBA and again the players you could just you could just feel it you can just feel it I mean the 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 Karam Butler thing stood out to me, but again, it's it's what Kendrick Perkins said as well. I mean, just being a coward, just not not sticking to your gut. I mean, again, if James Dolan feels this way, the way he, the follow up email, if that's how he felt, where the hell was that a week and a half ago? If he releases that last week, we're not having this conversation. But the fact that it has to be almost pried out of him. Well, if you want to know what I really think. Oh, I'm sorry, Jay. I thought, we, I thought you weren't qualified. I thought you weren't qualified to speak on this. I thought that was the first email. Now all of a sudden you're qualified to speak about this. It's, it's so It's ridiculous. And the worst thing for me with James Dolan, this has happened multiple in multiple situations. It's almost like he feels like we're stupid. It almost like he, he it's almost like he feels like he could just do whatever he wants and no one's gonna notice. He he insults the fans with the way he acts. He thinks that we're just gonna sit here and not say anything about it. Listen, we can't kick him out. We can't do that. We can say as we can keep yelling, sell the team and all that stuff, although he'll try to kick us out of the garden when we say that. He'll do whatever he can to shut us up. But when it's, you know, when it's something like this, I mean, it doesn't get much worse than that. And when it's now the other NBA teams publicly looking at the Knicks, they're already doing it privately. Now they're doing it publicly again and just saying, wow, that is as bad as it gets. I, I got to take a break. Uh, 
had to be addressed. You know, it's something that in this country, you know, people like James Dolan have to be held accountable. And again, he, he ends up coming out with a statement that, you know, again, on its own is fine, but with, with the context in place just is awful. It really is. So it had to be addressed. I'm going to take a break here, though. After the break, we will dive into something a little bit lighter. We'll talk NBA playoffs. We'll talk of the format for the return of the NBA in July. Teams to watch out for and the different pros and cons that teams left to deal with when the NBA resumes. All that and more coming up next on the Shock Shock Knicks podcast on the Posting and Toasting Podcast Network. All right, we are back with the NBA side of the podcast, part two of episode 50. Let's dive in to the playoff format and things that we need to take a look at for when the NBA returns, and I know I'm excited about it. There's going to be some basketball for us to talk about relatively soon. Uh, Obviously, in Disney World is where this is going to be hosted in the wide world of sports complex. I believe it's the same thing as the uh, the same spot, I should say, where the MLS is going to have their tournament as well. So a lot of sports going to be going on uh, there as well. Again, the teams are going to first take part in an eight-game regular season starting on July 31st. Uh, there could be a play-in element uh, for the postseason, uh, and that depends, obviously, after those eight games on the final standing. So if there are things that still need to be worked out they will be worked out at that point after the eight game regular season Uh, basically the rules go like this if there is a team that's four games back of the eight seed there will be a play-in tournament between those squads the eight seed can secure a playoff spot with uh no play-in tournament by holding a lead of more than four games uh, basically, the play-in tournament in the NBA's 22-team format will only be for the 8th seed. The 9th seed is 4 more games back. Again, the 8th seed gets the spot, but if the 9th seed is 4 more games fewer, they have a play-in game. This is the catch, the single elimination for the 9th seed. It's double elimination for the 8th seed. That's according to Shams from The Athletic. It's it's actually it's it's a very college baseball kind of format. It's a best of three, but to get to the best of three, the nine seed has to win the first game or they're out. It's a one and done. If the eight seed wins, if the ninth seed wins, they go to a winner take all second game. And if the, uh, not really best of three, but you know what I mean? It's a double elimination, I should say. That's a better way of putting it, obviously. One game, if the eight seed wins, they're through. If the ninth seed loses, they're out. But if the ninth seed wins, they got to beat the eight seed again. If they win that second game, the ninth seed becomes the eight seed, and the eight seed is out. So that'll be interesting if it comes to that. Um, on Thursday, June 3rd, the NBA officially approved the plan. Uh, Adrian Wojnarowski reported the last possible day the NBA Finals would end meaning there'd be a game seven would be October 12th. So a lot to chew on, a lot to chew on there. Uh, quick look at the standings. Uh, actually before that, um, just wanted to actually throw out a couple of the series situations as well. Um, this is apparently per a Disney source. Um, the regular season games would be 88 of them. The plan is for them uh, to play in two different arenas, uh, multiple games a day. 
basically like the summer league is the plan. Games actually, of course, count. Playoffs will be two to four games per day for early rounds, one to two games after that. Essentially, it's the summer league again. Um, to finish off the quote, and I believe this is from uh, Keith Smith of Yahoo Sport. It is on his Twitter account. Um, there'll be basketball all day long when things restart with the regular season games, and the playoffs will look more like what we are used to. This is again from Keith Smith of Yahoo Sports. They always play four games a day on Saturday and Sunday in the first round. And my assumption there is it's going to be the normal uh, seven-game series. Um, then the teams that are, you know, there, they move on. Teams that win the series move on. Teams that are <laughs> lose, obviously, are out. So on and so forth until we get to an NBA champion. Really quick. Actually, I just had another thing pop up that I forgot about that I want to dive into before we fully dive into the standings, because that's where I really wanted to touch on. This is something we didn't get to go into as much depth of last week. From Woj, and I think this was from, I want to say this is from, I mean, a couple of days ago, I think. Basically, Woj says, and it's kind of interesting to think of it like this, 14 of the 22 NBA teams will be eliminated from restart 53 days after arriving so it's going to be a, t- a kind of a quick turnaround to getting through the the nitty-gritty of this and again this is from Woj. basically 14 of the teams will be eliminated from the championship picture within 53 days of arriving in central florida what's more there will be just four teams remaining after 67 days with a potential nba final start date of september 30th the six teams that do not make the nba playoffs following the eight regular season games and potential playing tournament will be out of Orlando within 35 to 40 days. Has to be like this. You know, it has to be like this. This makes total sense. Uh, it's got to be done as quickly as possible. And we'll have to see how it moves on from there. So, I mean, this is what it looks like at the moment with the standings for the NBA playoffs. In the East, the Bucks have a monster lead over the Raptors for that number one seed. Uh, basically, the Bucks just have to win two of the eight regular season games, and they will lock up lock up the number one seed for the NBA playoffs. It's a little bit tighter for the Raptors for that two seed. They've got a six and a half game deficit with the Bucks, but they're only three games up on the third place Celtics. The big uh, moving and shaking could go on between the four and the six seeds. The Heat right now are in fourth. 12 games back of Milwaukee, but only two games up on Indiana and two games up on the Sixers, who are fifth and sixth responsibly, or excuse me, respectively. They're tied at the moment, which is kind of what made me stumble there. They're tied at 39 and 26, but the Pacers have the tiebreaker as it stands right now. So they are currently the five seed. So if the playoffs were to start today, the Sixers would be the sixth seed, but it doesn't really matter because now the games are being played with no fans. So it's going to in, in a smaller arena. So it's going to kind of throw the seeds out the window. It's going to come down to more of which teams matchups work to their advantage against other teams. Specifically, again, if the season ended today, the Nets would be seventh. The Magic would be eighth and the Wizards would be ninth. Wizards have got some catching up to do if they want to stick around 
in the NBA playoffs. But remember, they only have to get to within four games back. Right now, they're five and a half back. So the Wizards would have to make up a game and a half to force that playoff play-in series, basically, with it basically being... the, The Wizards would have to beat the Magic two times in a row to steal that eighth spot. The Nets, by the way, are not out of that conversation yet. They're only a half game above the Magic, and they're six games back of the Wizards. So if the Wizards make up two games on the Nets and the Nets fall to the eighth spot, the Nets would have to play in that playoff game. And of course, if the Wizards overtake the Nets, the Nets would find themselves in that position. And the same thing with the Magic. Really, those are the only three teams that are in that discussion because the Sixers are eight and a half games up on the Nets, meaning they've already clinched a playoff spot in this format. So the Sixers, the Pacers, the Heat, and all the way up to the one spot where the Bucks. Stand, they're fine. It's really down between the Nets, the Magic, and the Wizards to secure those final two playoff spots over the last eight games of this shortened end of the regular season. Then it would get interesting because the basically the uh, the crux of that is the seven seed have to play in all likelihood the Raptors, and that eight seed the Magic or possibly even the Wizards even though the the odds are a bit stacked against them, they would get the not-so-nice series with the Bucs in the first round as well. And honestly, after that, it's pretty straightforward. In the West, it's very much up in the air as well. It's a little bit less up in the air at the top. The Lakers have a a five-and-a-half game lead on the Clippers for the number one overall seed in the West. And... Uh, with that, with only eight games to go, the Lakers would only need to win three games to secure the number one overall seed. It's a little tighter between the Clippers and the third-seeded Nuggets. Only a game and a half separates those two teams, so there could be a little bit of moving and shaking there. Same with the Jazz, who are only three games back of the Clippers. Gets even tighter after that. The Thunder are one game back of the Jazz in fifth. Tied with the Rockets, who are also one game back of the Jazz on a tiebreaker in sixth. The Mavericks are only a game and a half back of those two teams, the Rockets and the Thunder. They're only two and a half games back of the Jazz in the fourth spot. So that's really where that all shakes out. The tier kind of drops off after that with the eighth seed battle. The Grizzlies are seven games back of the Mavericks for the eight for the, for that seventh seed. So the the Mavericks basically just need to win one game to secure a playoff spot. Actually, I should say two games because uh, they, w- they would avoid a tiebreaker if they win two games. So if they if the Mavericks win two more games, seven of the eight teams will be solidified in the West, basically is how that stands at the moment. And then the eight seed situation is very much up in the air. So there's a lot of things that can change here. Obviously, it's going to be mayhem because there's six teams battling for one spot. It's essentially, we're talking about the 14 teams remaining after, uh, 14 of 22 remaining after 53 days or whatever, including the regular season being lopped in there as well. This is why. The West is still very much alive for the eighth seed. Right now, the Grizzlies are there. They are in the eighth spot. They're three and a half games up on the Blazers, the Pelicans, and the Kings we're all 21 and a half games uh, back of first, three and a half back of the eighth seed. The Spurs are only four games back of the eighth seed 
and then you look at the Suns, who are six games back. They'd only have to make up two games on the Grizzlies or whoever finds their way in the eighth spot to play in that playoff. So, a ton of playing games could happen here, obviously. The West is the much more interesting of the two eighth seed battles. Again, not much can change, really, with the playoff teams that are already solidified, obviously. But, again, seeding as well, not really a big deal here because of... It's more about playoff matchups than anything else. The crowd doesn't matter here as it normally would because of the current situation. The eighth seed is really what the regular season is going to be mostly about, and it's going to be incredible to see this Western Conference race. Two teams from each conference that I want to kind of point out. You know, there's really more than that, but I really want to highlight two off the top from each that I'm very curious to see how they get on. In the East specifically, we kind of know what we got with the Bucks. We know what we have basically with the Raptors and the Celtics. I like the Heat a lot. I've said that for most of the season. Uh, it feels like forever since I've said anything like this on this podcast. I think the Heat are a sleeper here. I really do. I think they're a team to watch out for in the Eastern Conference playoffs. I think if they get past their first round series, they could be a team that goes on a bit of a run. They're young, they're energetic, they're going to be healthy. They've got a ton of talent around Jimmy Butler. I'm excited to see how their season plays out in this shortened format. The Pacers are always a dark horse in the first round. They're not really going to... I don't think they're going to do much more after that, especially if they play the Heat. I'd take the Heat over the Pacers, and then we would see what happens after that. If the Pacers can maybe move up, and find their way into a series with the Sixers, that would be interesting, but I don't see that happening. The Sixers are this other team, the other team that's very much, uh, you know, they're either going to be your wildcard team, or they're going to be your your early upset pick. For me, the good news for the Sixers is this, they're going to be ready to go. They're going to be healthy, they're going to be, they should be on it, they should be fresh, they should be ready to roll. There's no excuses here. There's no excuses. There are going to be no fans. There's nothing they can really say here. The Sixers have to be ready. This is a big opportunity for the Sixers to to, to get a second chance and use it to perfection here. Seedings kind of don't matter. It's really about how you play in these games. It's about the matchups you get. The Sixers, again, you only have eight regular season games. Only eight regular season games, and you're already in the playoffs. It's really just about getting ready for the playoff series for the Sixers. They've got to get everyone fresh, back into game shape, and if they do that, they should be a team to be reckoned with. But I, again, I listen, I don't trust them. I will believe it when I see it, but it's coupled with the fact that this is a big second chance for the, for the Philadelphia 76ers. Huge opportunity for them to salvage this season it really is big for them they've got well over a month to prepare to for this you know training camp and then these eight regular season games to get healthy to get ready and then get back into game shape with the regular season and then they better be ready to roll come playoff time or this could be blown up i mean that they've got the most to lose in the eastern conference because if this doesn't work out they get a huge opportunity here to right the wrongs if it doesn't end well for the Sixers, this could be the last time we see Embiid, Simmons, Harris, this whole group together. So there's a lot riding on this upcoming 
changed format NBA playoffs for the Philadelphia 76ers. I think that's clear. I don't think it's going to go out go too well for them. I think the best case scenario for them is a second round exit. I think they're probably not going to get much further than that, if at all. So it's not going to look great for them. But if they're good enough to be a team that makes a deep run, this is the time. This is the time for them to figure it out. Western Conference. One big note that I wanted to show here. Imagine if the Warriors had not shut down Steph Curry this year. (laughs) Oh, man. They wouldn't have probably gotten to the... Well, they might have. Who knows? Who knows? But imagine if they'd gotten rebooted here and it was Clay and Steph and everyone... (laughs) Would have been incredible to see the Warriors get a second chance here. But not to be. They were so bad. They threw the season away. And even in the new format, they really didn't come anywhere close to the NBA playoffs. Listen, for me, there's two clear teams to watch out for here. Obviously, we all want to, even even in this crazy format, we would all love to see a Lakers-Clippers-Western Conference Finals. I think I'm on board with that. I think everyone else is on board with that. I'd love to see LeBron against Kawhi for the Western Conference Final, for the chance to play in the NBA Finals. I think that would be, honestly, I think that would be fantastic. Paul George obviously mixed in there as well against Anthony Davis. Stars on both sides. I mean, there's no question about it. It's the matchup we want to see. However, much like the Sixers, on the Eastern Conference side, the Western Conference's version of that is the Houston Rockets. <laughs> We're also in the sixth seed. Uh, and listen, Harden and Westbrook, no bigs on this roster, obviously. The experiment's going to get a big opportunity here with a second chance to maybe reboot and will we see Westbrook and Harden take the playoffs by storm? It's going to be interesting to see how that all plays out. I'm excited to watch them. How is this going to affect a team like the Thunder or the Nuggets? A team that's had such good momentum going into the end of the first part, you could argue, before the pandemic shut down the NBA season. They were going so well. And now what happened What happened with Rudy Gobert? How is that going to affect the Thunder? Excuse me, not the Thunder, the Jazz on the court is there, is there still some animosity between Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell after Rudy Gobert infected some of his teammates with COVID-19 I'm intrigued to see how that dynamic is going to work on the floor the sleeper team for me I think there's only one option here and I think it's the Dallas Mavericks I, I really do I think they're a team to watch out for in the west I think with KP healthy Luka Doncic should be 100% by July 31st, if memory serves. They are a team that could make some noise in the playoffs. They've got a chance to move up in the standings as well. If the Mavericks could find their way into the 6th seed or maybe even the 5th seed, they're only a game and a half back of the 4th seed, or I should say the 5th seed there in the West. They're a game and a half back of the 5th seed. They're actually 2 and a half games back of the four seed so the dallas mavericks could really get an opportunity to move up here they could be a team that really starts to get hot at the right time and make a bit of a run the other team uh that probably isn't going to make the final version of the nba playoffs that i'm excited i mean obviously i want to see john morant with the grizzlies doesn't matter how many fans are there i want to watch john morant same goes with zion williamson with the pelicans I'm excited to see what happens with them. I really would love to see them maybe make a little bit of a run, but 
it's obvious with especially the Pelicans, there's not a ton around Zion at the moment. Probably not going to get it done. You never know. You know, I think, but I, I think the Grizzlies have the inside track. But speaking of second chances, there's a big second chance here for the Blazers to get back into the NBA playoffs and maybe make a bit of a run here at this championship. And listen, you know, Damian Lillard. Uh, has said in the past he doesn't want to play if he doesn't have a chance to make the playoffs. They got a big chance now to make the playoffs. If they can even make up some ground, they might even get in without having to play in the playoff game. Although, actually, they have to get up to the seventh spot. That's not going to happen. But they get a chance to have the inside track if they can catch the Grizzlies, and they'd have the leg up in that 8 versus 9 or whatever the case may be, or it may have to be in this case, for that play-in game scenario. So, the Blazers have a lot to play for here, and if Damian Lillard, C.J. McCollum, and company can kind of turn things around, the Blazers are a team to watch, because if they get in, they could maybe give the Lakers, or if the Clippers catch them, the Clippers, probably going to be the Lakers, actually, now that I think about it, they could give the Lakers a heck of a series, you know, so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out, but those are just a couple of teams to watch. Listen, I think the Spurs... You can argue probably didn't need to be invited to this thing, but you never know. It's Greg Popovich. I don't think they're going to make up enough ground. The Suns, again, the Suns and the, the Spurs are, again, mathematically not out of it, but there's so many teams in front of them. I just don't think they'll be able to catch up with only eight games in their back pocket here for this shortened finish to the regular season. So the it's cool to see the Spurs and the Suns there just because it's unique and it's interesting. We haven't seen anything like this before and six teams are fighting for one spot, essentially, that'll be fun, but I, to be honest with you, I don't really think it's going, to, I, like, I, I could, I could see us being three games in, and the Spurs and the Suns being out of it, you know, I could easily see that happening, so that's the downside to this, you could see the kind of the writing on the wall with the Suns, and the writing on the wall with the Spurs, but the Kings, the Pelicans, the Blazers, all are right there to possibly catch the Grizzlies, they're all only three and a half games back. It only takes one to make this very, very interesting because two are going to play in this playoff. Unless the Grizzlies go on a crazy run and are four and a half games up by the end of these eight games, there's going to be at least two or three of these teams fighting to take that spot from the Grizzlies. So that'll be interesting as well. So again, I'm excited to see it play out. I think the lot there's a lot that can happen, especially on the Western Conference. And listen, the Wizards are not out of it. On the east side of things, they get a little bit healthier. Maybe they could put something together. The Magic are not exactly world beaters in that eight spot. With the reset, a lot can happen. Things can change. Momentum can shift very quickly, especially with the, when with no fans being in attendance and it being in a different facility, being in a neutral venue. A lot of factors can change the outcome of these games. However, I'm just happy that we are about a month and a half away it may be a little generous there until the season is back going to do a lot more breaking down of those teams i'm sure in the weeks to come uh just in june uh and then obviously as we get closer to the start of those eight regular season games it's really going to heat back up again and we're going to see what these teams are made of down the home stretch of this shortened covid19 nba season that is the end of the episode. Guys, thanks as always for listening to the show. Thank you for sticking with us for 50 episodes of the Shock Shock Knicks podcast. Here's to the next 50. Here's to a good week for all of you out there. And we will see you guys next time 
on the Shock Shock Knicks podcast on the Posting and Toasting Podcast Network.